Hello, landing page optimization listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash. Next time you browse through iTunes or the Google Play Store on your smartphone, make sure to land on and download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app. Listen to new episodes of LPO every Monday or catch up on all the interviews featuring me speaking with the best and brightest conversion thought leaders of today. Download the webmasterradio.fm mobile apps in the iTunes Store or via Google Play today. Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing page optimization expert Tim Ash is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome back, loyal listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And today I have uh, my friend and... uh, Speaker from Conversion Conference, uh, Joe Doveton is the head of client services at Global Maxer. Um, they basically help companies that are international with their conversion issues. But I actually uh, going to let Joe introduce himself. Joe, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Tim. Good to speak to everybody. Yeah, just uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about Global Maxer and how you help your clients and uh, what, what your specific kind of niche is, if you will. Yeah, so there's two bits to what we do. We're kind of uh, we're both a technology platform that does multivariate and A/B testing, um, but we also have a research division here that looks particularly into whether companies are having problems with you know, cultural or international issues around conversion, whether it's you know calls to, calls to action but not being translated properly, or preferences on color or alignment and that kind of stuff um, around the. Okay, well, uh, it's you know we like to think that we're in this kind of English-speaking world, but um, or this American-centric world. But uh, I think the American century was the the last century. Looks like we're entering probably the Chinese or Indian or Brazilian century this time around. Um, how do you see kind of um, the the cultural dominance of America in this scheme of things in yeah, terms of really the internet? You know. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. A lot of the stuff that we do um, is looking at, you know, the kind of degrees to which the Anglophone world um, is going to be, yeah, well, certainly probably not replaced, but you know, what the Anglophone world will look like on the web. Because actually, the English-speaking world was around first, and in a lot of countries, they've absorbed um, English words and phrases into just not only their search behaviour, but um, you know, also into the kind of ways that they that they talk about the web. An example of that might be in you know in China, uh, predominantly uh, web content is presented back in the same way as Latin script, left to right. But mm-hmm. um, you know increasingly um, in in Asia, particularly with the way that the device the device is moving from sort of like a you know a landscape device of a desktop PC to a portrait device of a of mobile, uh, there's the opportunity to do things more in a kind of traditional Chinese way. Which is so the I up and down writing. Yep. Correct, yeah, top right to written down to top left. And I know that, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, Kindle, for example, are making Japanese books available in that, in that format. So I don't think the Anglophone world will be, will be replaced. I think what's happening instead is that there's a kind of global web language that has evolved that's predominantly English, but with significant parts of uh, um, local culture absorbed to it. 
Well, and then, of course, uh, there are certainly islands and holdouts that insist on their own culture. I think, uh, notably, and the French are notorious for this, uh, making up French words for every new technical term that comes out and having a <laughs> yeah. ministry of culture and language. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, even in France, you know, you've got, although you've got terms like informatique for computing and réseau for networking, actually, um, you know, when we don't work in France, uh, a lot of the acronyms that you, you might use, like CRM for customer relationship management, you know, those have survived wholly intact. So although, you know, they're very proud and protective of their language, um, it's not exclusively the case that, you know, that they won't use English. In fact, I've just been doing a report for a client and about 55% of, uh, of French people, surprisingly for me, um, uh, speak some form of English, which is much higher than it is in reverse. So even though they're very, very protective, they're not that protective and they they had to do a certain amount of communication to work. And of course, you know, with French Canadians, um, there's much less of a tendency to, to be quite so fundamentalist about using French and a lot of English loan words have been absorbed into, into French Canadian. Right. I would expect that since the country has two official yeah. languages. Uh, of course, if you're inside of Quebec, don't count uh, too much English being spoken. Um, <laughs> well, okay. But even the variants of English, let's let's talk about that. I mean, somebody once famously joked that, uh, you know, America and, and England, where you're based, uh, are, um, you know, two countries divided by a common language. Uh, what about just culturalisms and uh, different uses of words? Do you find that even English variants can be confusing? Yeah, so particularly in e-commerce, you know, you see um, Americans use shipping, we use delivery, and, you know, we use, uh, especially if you've bought a, um, you're an e-commerce provider and you bought a platform from an American software company, you know, quite a, I do see this a lot, shipping being a term that's um, that's used, you know, for, for kind of UK delivery. It's not a concept that really applies to us because, you know, we're an island and everything kind of travels by train, so... You know, it, it, we, we'd virtually never ship something. We would always deliver something. Um, you know, that would be... Um, well, it's interesting be, because shipping doesn't necessarily mean to go by ship in the U.S. sense of the word that basically means delivery. It's just how, our yeah, word for it. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, but we, there's a phrase that we, we, that we probably wouldn't use in, in the U.K. And, um, you know, I mean, there are, also, there are other examples in other industries like, you know, we have a brand here that we've worked with called Cheap Flights, where, of course, in the U.S., you know, you'd have cheap airfares. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I suppose the, the interesting thing is if you're a brand that's operating in you know, both the US and the UK market, you need to do the keyword research again, it's the fundamental point, because uh, what your customers are searching for in the, in the UK will be probably quite different from what they're searching for in the US. Well, so, so really, and I don't think it's just keyword research. Uh, we still don't have the cultural framework to hang that on if we're dealing with an international market and vice versa. Uh, what's the, how important is it to have not just a, a, a fluent speaker, but a culturally fluent person taking a look at your foreign websites or web experiences? Yeah, I think it's important to have somebody with um, a modicum of local um, knowledge to, to review, you know, not just the text-based communication, but also the visual-based communication. There are varying degrees in the research that we've done for preferences, for example, you know, um, if you're using photo photography of people, um, reflecting the, the dom- dominant ethnicity of the groups that are in that culture, or if it's multicultural, you know, kind of reflecting the fact that you might have... Um, you 
the US, the case of you might have Europeans, you might have African Americans, you might have Asian Americans, you know, something that's much more representative of the, the sample. Whereas in more kind yeah. of monocultural environments, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily expect to see an Indian European subject in photography. You'd like to see South Asians. Yeah, I know that there's a, for example, in Brazil, um, I mean, obviously there's a long and sordid racial history in the U.S., but I I know that uh, there are complaints among the Brazilian population that, for example, all the advertisements are kind of European, white-ish looking people, and there are almost no black models in ads or billboards or on the web. Uh, So it's definitely kind of also says something about, you know, racial superiority attitudes and things like that as well, right? Yeah, very much in Brazil, you know, that's a kind of class issue because a lot of, you know, in a lot of South American cultures, um, you know, they're, they're kind of, um, kind of uh, South American um, indigenous population tend to be sort of, you know, the kind of lower lower class class people. And it's kind of a knock-on effect really from the fact that it, it kind of portrays a level of, um, you know, elitism or exclusivity for, for the sort of European Latin Americans and, you can understand why that there's a kind of a bit of a backlash to that. So if you haven't been to Brazil, you know, if you walk around town like Rio, you see, you can see a family out, um, you know, and, and very, very strongly mixed ethnicities. Just to kind of, you know, that's what the way of life is like. It's very, very multicultural. So you you can understand that being an issue in Brazil. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, so if you had to kind of. Um so in terms of um, let's talk about language again for a second in terms of just script and websites um, so do you expect that the English dominance will continue but that native cultures uh, and, and scripts will be available in in parallel with it is that basically kind of the, the uptake of what you were saying earlier yeah I think there's a, there's a kind of there's a mixed appetite for um, you know kind of bilingualism on the web now it depends what the i think one of the things is it depends what the market is so something like e-commerce people really do expect a lot of that um because that's kind of like for everybody right e-commerce so they do there's an expectancy on e-commerce and retail websites that much more of that content is localized into local language Um, i've just been doing some research for a global brand you know and and if it's a corporate website or it's something that's b2b there might be a bit much more of an appetite for um you know, kind of English first, but also having some local language content in there. Um, you know, business, English is still the lingua franca of global business. So, you know, kind of if you join an organization like a global brand, you kind of expect to be doing some of your communication in English. But, okay, well, um, it actually yeah. it strikes me as a, <laughs> ironic that you just said lingua franca about English. But, okay, yeah, I think on that, <laughs> on that we're yeah. going to have to do a, uh, a commercial break, and uh, we'll be back okay, in two you. minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia, on demand. Plus, 
Plus, let our in-house printing and CD DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. Come visit us at AdTech New York, booth number 738. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. Hold on to your white hat or black hat. WebmasterRadio.fm is ready to take you behind the backlinks. We're digging and scraping past the surface of everyday news and views of search engine marketing and dropping our proverbial anchor text on the important issues affecting the industry with our panel of search engine insiders. Behind the Backlinks. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. On demand, anytime, inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And I'm continuing my conversation with Joe Doveton from Global Maxer. Now, Joe, we were talking about different cultural influences. Um, let's kind of switch gears and talk about um, technology adoption in, in different um, areas of the world. Uh, I know that in a way that uh, some, you could say, laggard economies are, have a leg up because they skipped the whole, say, landline phones and went to mobile phones. And then some quote-unquote more backward countries, you have a much higher adoption of mobile usage and a much higher fluency with it. Uh, talk a little bit about kind of the technology adoption in different parts of the world and how that influences people's experiences on the web. It's a really interesting point for me because we do um, a lot of kind of technological research in each country. It's important to, I think, if you're, if you're launching into a new market to uh, research, you know, what the kind of uh, infrastructure is like. So take something like browsers. I've just been doing a report on this for another client. But if you look in China, you know, IE6, for, for certainly for the States and for a lot, a lot of countries in Europe, is officially dead. Um, however, if you go into the, Thank the goodness. Chinese market... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you said that. But, you know, if you're, again, if you've got a, your web developers there working on a very new kind of... Yeah, actually, an AI-friendly website. Um, what they probably don't know is that IE6 has still got 25% market share in wow. the Chinese market. Um, IE8 is 22%. And even there are other browsers like things like Maxon, uh, which is based on IE6, about 2%. So 
So you, you can't just assume that the technology that, that your developers or your, your web team are building in is actually what the customers are using on the ground. So, you know, if you're launching into China, you've got to make sure it's backwardly compatible for the main uh, in the main yeah, yeah, and and, that, and that's also a, I think a cautionary tale for the actual developers because if you're a web designer or a creative person, you're you're probably sitting in front of a pretty large screen, uh, and there's yeah. a bias like everything fits, it looks good for me, uh, and there's really <laughs> you know what do you think about cross browser testing and looking at different screen sizes, uh, you know, just to kind of shake off that bias. Well, yeah, and I think that's a, an absolute necessity, and we do that a lot. Certainly, when we're doing, you know, when we're kind of sanity checking tests that we set up. But, you know, I think there's, there's also this issue about the kind of general move from landscape to portrait. If you look at um, what's going on in Africa, and you're right, they kind of, well, they certainly skipped um, 3G internet, and um, they, they kind of most of the uh, the growth in Africa is going to be driven by smartphone as, as in access to the internet. Um, Price Waterhouse have just basically done a report on African spending. South Africa's um, internet access is going to increase 25% year on year up to 2017. That's driven by smartphones. Same is true for Nigeria, same for Kenya. So there's three massive markets there, um, potentially for global businesses. And they're missing out the fixed landline stuff completely and going straight to um, smartphone. Now, of course, the other thing you've got there is you're looking at the you're looking at smartphone from the kind of view of a generally speaking from a portrait angle. So, you know, you've got issues like is responsive design fit for purpose for those markets, or actually, really, do you want um, a fully localized um, experience specifically for those markets for smartphones? Mm, right, right, and and and, um, and it seems like um, even within. Uh, smartphones, there's fragmentation. I mean, I've seen lots of studies that say, um, you know, Apple versus Android, that uh, even though the numbers are definitely on Android side and that gap is widening, that Apple users, I mean, I, I, I may be completely wrong on this number, so please don't hold me to task, but this are 90% of the online sales through smartphones in the U.S. are through Apple devices, even though that's not their market share, obviously. Um, so you see kind of different things going on there. But that's a first-world phone, if you will. Not many people can afford a $500 smartphone. So um, how does that play in? Yeah, I think you're, I think you're, that's... Um from the data that we look at when we're looking at, you know, things like Google Analytics for our clients, very much led by iOS, Android still being pretty small to the point was, you know, we, we kind of, um, for most of our tests, UK and US, when we say mobile, we are looking at iOS primarily. But absolutely, I think that, you know, kind of a lot of the um, Asian manufacturers have got pretty good market share in Africa. It's going to be, I can't see... Apple particularly cutting their margins to kind of cater for the um, the Asian market. So you've got issues like, you know, kind of refurbed phones potentially coming into play. You've got issues like, you know, other Motorola or other manufacturer, LG perhaps, who are, you know, even cheaper than Samsung. Right, A lot right. of those might be, might be an issue. Um, you'd expect Android to be big in an emerging market like Africa, though. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so maybe the usage is again in the U.S. I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out, but it's actually true. I mean, I have an Android phone, and I don't. I don't think I've ever bought anything online through my phone. Um, so, 
maybe those those Apple people. I mean, they do have a you know, higher disposable income on average, and uh, are just kind of more. Uh, I guess you could say early adopters, you know, technology uh, hipsters, if you will. Is that a, is there a cultural component to it as well as the as a kind of fi- demographic and financial? Yeah, and I think there's, there's probably you know in, in all those um, economies where there's an emerging middle class, India, Brazil, Russia, even China, you know, it's kind of the equivalent um, status symbol rules kind of applies. They they say they say they do. Western cultures, but I think in, in all the cases, because some of those markets are catching up so fast, and it becomes, you know, an essential item, perhaps in Africa, you know, they that that, that ubiquity of everybody having a, a smartphone device may be less sensitive to the sort of the kind of that that kind of you've got to have the hipster make his big brand. Right, and you know, I, but I, I mean, I, it's true. I know we we've worked with um, you know online sellers of of mobile phones in uh, in Brazil, for example, and it's very much seen as a, a smartphone as an aspirational status item. Um, so it's just kind of a, a lust object, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, well, let, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, cultural differences, and uh, what I mean by that is. Um, is for example, when I was in in Germany on my last trip, I know that Germans are much more highly sensitive to the notion of privacy, for example, and having their personal information disclosed or shared. Um, how do those things? Can you give us a couple examples and talk about how that plays into uh, web experiences? Yeah, and it's a really, it's a really good point. I mean, actually, stepping back, you know, from um, the specific example of something like Germany, we quite often start with looking at um, there's a there's a few sort of academic models about culture that kind of even now still apply. There's things like Geert Hofstetter's cultural dimensions, where he talks about five different indexes of or aspects of culture and, and scores countries based on uh, based on that. Um, so a society like Germany would be, um, you know, it's kind of highly democratic and there's not too much difference between the sort of role, the gender roles of men and women, but, you know, but, but still quite traditional. People are, as you say, quite private. Um, from the point of view of their spending patterns, the, the Germans are, you know, very strongly credit averse. So if you go, if you have a, an e-commerce store that you're suddenly sending to, to Germany, you know, they're very unlikely to have a credit card. I think credit card penetration is about 20%. Their preferred payment method is either things like prepaid invoice or prepaid card or electronic cash, one of those methods. And they're also, um, from research that we've seen from uh, something like uh, from Dibs, for example, which is a big e- e- global e-commerce report, if they don't see the option they want to see in the checkout, they probably won't revisit that site. Um, yeah, so so that says that uh, the, in terms of specifically e-commerce and checkout experiences, you definitely have to localize your checkout experience. Uh, we work to have some joint clients with Cleverbridge, and they they focus primarily on informational products and software and things like that. But yeah, they work very hard to make their e-commerce cart uh, very kind of uh, culture and country specific. Yeah, and you know, I mean, in Germany and Western Europe. Um, that uh, the Germans, the Finns, uh, the Norwegians are, are sort of fairly credit averse, but most other people are kind of fine with it. Um, there's, you know, the UK, France, Italy, Spain, they're kind of happy with credit card payment. Obviously, the North America is credit cards. Um, 
when you start thinking about cultural sensitivities as well around religion, then you go also go down the rethink there because you know there is one of the uh, concepts of Islam is the concept of re uh, of uh, reba, which is you know kind of against um, lending money and interest. So you know they have a, a problem with credit cards in the Islamic in the Islamic world. So one of the ways that they get around that is that you're allowed to use a credit card as long as you pay it off before. Um, before you get around to uh, accruing interest on the card. And of course, oh, yeah, so that's kind of similar to like, furniture purchases in the U.S. where they say, no interest till 2019, that sort of thing, right? Uh, so, I mean, you're going to get nailed with interest if you go a day past that, but uh, up to that date, there's no interest. Totally, yeah. There's like Sharia-friendly mortgages, you know, in that kind of market. That's always quite interesting. I've, I found examples recently of Arabic specialist e-commerce websites that even do... Um, you know, kind of time-managed checkout so that when people are due to be at prayers in the afternoon or in the evening or in the morning, their checkout automatically switches off so people can't buy anything from your store whilst you're um, whilst they're supposed to be at prayers. So it's kind of like yeah. the ultimate, if you like, um, Islamic-friendly. Forcing function, yeah. They, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's probably something akin to that for Orthodox Jews as well. Well, we're going to have to I'm take sure another commercial break. And when we come back, though, Joe, I want to explore your other side, the creative musician, you know, wacky side of you. So we'll be back in two minutes uh, after our second commercial break. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest in digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G, digital.com. If you're constantly struggling to find more customers, revenue, or hours in the day, Infusionsoft can help you have the business you've always wanted. For over 10 years, Infusionsoft has been helping business owners just like you find the financial freedom and peace of mind you've been searching for. I'm Scott Martineau, co-founder of Infusionsoft. If you're struggling to find more customers, more revenue, or more hours in the day, Infusionsoft is the proven solution you're looking for. Infusionsoft, the only all-in-one sales and marketing software created specifically for small businesses. Learn more at www.infusionsoft.com slash radio. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. 
Advance your affiliate marketing efforts every week on Affiliate Buzz. Our hosts, James and Arlene Martell, are here to inspire, inform, and motivate you with expert insight, interviews, and information that will increase your bottom line. Affiliate Buzz, on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. Uh, this is your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And I'm speaking today with Joe Doveton, Head of Client Services at Global Maxer. Uh, Joe, you're a musician, but not just one of those garage band kind of guys. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, yeah, I've got a little band and a little record label here in the, the UK. We, we actually, funnily enough, a bit like um, you've heard the concept of selling um, of, uh, selling. Uh, the, uh, selling ice to the um, to the Inuit or sound to the Arabs. Yeah, to the Eskimo, kind of yeah. American, exactly. We do kind of American influence <laughs> rock and rock and uh, folk, folk pop type music. So um, there's, there's a genre we have in the UK. I suppose it gets the same in the US called Americana, and we very loosely fit into that. So it's kind of a bit of country, a bit of Appalachian music, a bit of old time stuff. Well, you know that originally the U.S. imported all that from the U.K. and Scotland. There's the irony, huh? That's right, yeah. So it's kind of things go back and forth uh, across. So it's our version of Americana back to you. But you guys actually have five published albums, as I understand it. uh, Yeah, if somebody wanted to find your band, what would they look up and, and get a listen? Okay, the band's Caramel Jacks. If you go on, if you go on to, I believe the search engine of choice is, is, is Google. Despite what Bing are telling us today, some very interesting <laughs> stuff they do with they with they getting getting you to try out Bing. Um, but if you go to Google or Bing, type in Caramel Jack, you'll find some information. We're on things like uh, Spotify. We're on uh, our records are available to buy on Amazon. So you know, if you go on there, you can you can download um, or or buy the buy the records on there. Huh, fantastic. Yeah, actually, whoa, you guys have a Wikipedia entry. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Fantastic. It's fully social, oh. social media up. Well, yeah, I guess if you're in this industry and you don't, then um, you, know, you have a problem. Uh, well, great. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's end on a kind of fun note. Um, colors. Um, colors can be used to mean completely different things in different cultures. I mean, for example, in Russia, the kind of the dress-up color way back in the day was red. And the word krasny, which is red, and krasivya, which is beautiful, are come from that same root. Um, are there other kind of cultural uh, preferences and in terms of color and things to avoid, maybe, uh, or things to, you know, buttons to push in certain cultures? Uh, well, thanks. First of all, Tim, thanks for the tip about the uh, Russian use of red. I shall certainly add that to our cultural database as another factor <laughs> uh, of, of culture. We didn't have that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of it is down to the circumstance about what you're selling um, or, you know, what the experience online is. But the, the, I suppose there isn't, as far as I know, a kind of overarching academic cultural theory of color. But there are sort of more in the in the realm of heuristics about you know kind of trends that are popular in different countries. So, you know, we know in China, red is red is a color that means good luck uh, and peace, and you know people give red envelopes at weddings and wear red red for weddings and and, and so on. Uh, whereas, you know, in in the West, it's it also has associations of data and kind of action. So, you know, it's 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 quite different uh, for the for the West versus China, but. Um, 
there are some there are some interesting little differences in colour. So, you know, green is has some notions of criminality in France, means death in uh, some parts of South America. Um, oh, well, and and I think it's also it's the colour of mourning in in some parts of the Middle East, as I understand it as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, yes, and it is. You're quite right. Um, there are. I think a lot of it depends on what the the industry you're selling in. Um, there's a very good survey that I found called by a guy called Joe Halleck, which is uh, I think the paper set up on the internet, and he's got he did a it was originally supposed to be a cultural survey, but he surveyed about 1,500 people, um, and it's quite interesting that actually the, the colours that are consistently come out that are popular for concepts like trust and security and high quality are, are things like you know silver, white, black, and so on. Whereas colours that mean cheap and expensive, orange, yellow, brown, you know, kind of more sort of bodily function related colours, <laughs> generally tend to be fast food colours, find nasty or cheaper or inexpensive. Yeah. So, um, that's, but now actually, in some countries, there one, there there are uh, countries that are so synonymous with the the culture that they really pop it. In the Netherlands, orange is everywhere. You know, the football, the soccer team wear orange. Um, although it's not included in the flag, you know, everything wherever you go, there's right. uh, or, or or kind of green, yellow, blues in Brazil, same you know thing. It's just yeah, everywhere. That's right. Green, yellow, blue, absolutely, yeah. Um, so, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm afraid we're, we're running out of town, a time. I, I, I know we could keep talking for hours, and maybe in the future I'd love to, to bring you back. So if you're interested in learning more about Global Maxer, just go to globalmaxer.com. And, Joe, are you going to be speaking at any upcoming events? How should folks reach out to you if they, if they want to connect? Yeah, if anybody, any if visitors who are based in the UK, I'm speaking at MeasureFest um, in London next week on Wednesday. Well, just say, okay, well, I think that this probably won't, it will be airing after that, but any other upcoming shows? Uh, yeah, we also do a show called the International Digital Forum that's in London on the 17th of November. Fantastic. Well, well, Joe, thanks again. Uh, it, it was a, a blast. Thanks for taking us on a cultural spin around the world of conversion. Uh, and loyal listeners, we'll be back uh, soon with another installment of LPO, Landing Page Optimization. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.